Breaking news, Al Franken, senator from Minnesota, is out. Yes, out. He just resigned on the floor of the Senate. We'll talk all about it. Plus, the media do their best to ensure that a wave of terrorism hits Israel. And, of course, President Trump stands tall in the face of withering attack over his talk about Jerusalem. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All righty, so a lot to get to today. Right now, in breaking news, Al Franken is stepping down from the Senate. When I say now, I mean like as we are recording this, we're going to grab the audio as soon as possible of Al Franken, the senator from Minnesota, stepping down. He did what I think everyone sort of expected him to do. He came out and he said that he was totally innocent, but he's stepping down anyway, which is not true. He's not totally innocent. And also, he then said, and what about Trump? And what about Roy Moore? This is the Democrats' play. We'll talk all about that. Plus, I want to give you the latest from the state of Israel, as well as a couple of stories that are just insane that you haven't heard yet today. Before I go any further, though, I want to say thank you to my sponsors over at Pro Flowers. So, you know, the holiday season is coming up, and there are people that you won't get to see this holiday season. Well, sending a greeting card ain't going to do it. You need to send them flowers because it's your mom, man. Okay, it's your it's your wife. You're going to be out of town. You need to send flowers. This is what I. By the way, every time I go out of town for any extended period of time, I go over to my friends at Pro Flowers and I use them to send flowers to my wife. It always gets me good. It gets me in good with the misses. Right now, they have best-selling candy cane roses, a great option for a holiday gift. Or you can always go with their mini classic Christmas tree that comes with lights and ornaments. No matter what you choose, my listeners get 20% off any Pro Flowers bouquet or plant of $29 or more. They, they, they are fantastic. I mean, they last longer than they would if you got them at the store. They are guaranteed to stay fresh. They arrive in a box to your house. If something is broken, they will immediately fix it. That's happened to us, and they fixed it immediately. You control the delivery date. They give you more bloom for your buck. Big, beautiful flowers, more stems for your money, long-lasting freshness. The quality of the flowers really is top-notch, and again, the delivery is impeccable. I mean, it comes with the vase. If you order it that way, it's just it's just great. To get 20% off all bouquets of $29 or more this holiday season, go to proflowers.com. Use my code BENSHOW at checkout. That's promo code BENSHOW at checkout, and you get 20 percent off all bouquets or plants of 29 bucks or more this holiday season proflowers.com use that promo code ben show at checkout proflowers.com promo code ben show you make your spouse happy make your mom happy make your dad happy it's just it's a, it's a happiness company that's what they do proflowers.com use promo code ben show get 20 percent off any bouquet of 29 dollars or more or any plants of 29 dollars or more check them out they're awesome proflowers.com again that promo code is ben show speaking of people who could use a little bit of career insurance, Al Franken is gone. And he just came out and said, as I said, that he is innocent, that he didn't do any of these things, that all of these women are either liars or misconstruing his actions. It seems to me it's hard to misconstrue somebody grabbing your in the middle of a photo line. Um, but, you know, to each his own. So Franken uh, stepped down after the Democrats turned on him. They turned on him in the last 48 hours, really not because of the new reports about Franken, but because they wished to throw Republicans under the moral, uh, under the moral bus. That was the goal here. The, the pretext they used for throwing Franken out uh, was this uh, was this report from The Atlantic that tr that Franken had sexually harassed a woman at a Media Matters party. Uh, there's a woman named Tina DePoy who wrote for The Atlantic. She says, it happened at a Media Matters party during the first Obama inauguration. It was a great time to be a Democrat. Not only had we just elected the first African-American president of the United States, but Franken's race had triggered a recount, leaving leftist giddy. We would soon have a supermajority in the Senate. As you recall, Al Franken stole that Senate seat from Norm Coleman. They just kept recounting the votes until enough felons were counted that Al Franken was the senator from Minnesota. Uh, this woman writes, this is my first inauguration. I'd never been in the proverbial room where it happens. My experience with government at that point was being a ward of the court in foster care. Nothing that I had an interest in politics, noting that I had an interest in politics and in grandstanding. My foster dad set up an internship for me at the district office of Representative George Miller. The summer before my senior year of high school as an intern, I answered calls, thumbed through the congressional record, etc. She says, I've been married for two years at the time. I don't let my husband touch me like Al Franken did in public. Right, here's what she says. I saw Al Franken. I only bug celebrities for pictures when it'll make my foster mom happy. She loves Franken, so I asked to get a picture with him. We posed for the shot. He immediately put his hand on my waist, grabbing a handful of flesh. I froze. Then he squeezed at least twice. What a class act, that Al Franken. So Franken gave a statement in which he said, all of this has been misconstrued. He's totally innocent, but he's leaving anyway. And then he blabbered on for a while about activism and the wonders of activism. And again, he just kept calling them liars over and over and over, hoping that he would have another shot at this. That's what Al Franken is hoping. Al Franken is hoping that he leaves in quote-unquote disgrace, that he does his penance, and then he comes back in a couple of years, having cleansed himself of the stigma of this. And in order to ensure that, he immediately wheeled and hit Trump and, and Roy Moore. Roy Moore, of course, the Senate Alabama Republican candidate who's been credibly accused of child molestation. 
Now, what's hilarious about all of this is watching the Democrats swing to push Franken out. So just a couple of days ago, we played the audio yesterday of Kirsten Gillibrand saying that she didn't know whether Franken should step down, he should really make his own decision. And then yesterday, she actually said Franken should step down. So she changed her opinion. Kirsten Gillibrand, who's been treated as a possible 2020 candidate, there is no better weather vane than Kirsten Gillibrand. I mean, there are no better weather vanes on planet Earth than Kirsten Gillibrand. And the woman has her finger in the air at all times, seeing which way the wind is blowing. She realized that she wanted the, she realized the wind was blowing against Franken, so she stepped out in front of that and said Franken should resign. This is what she said yesterday. Well, obviously, there were new allegations today. Uh, and enough is enough. I mean, this is a conversation we've been having for a very long time, and it's a conversation that this country needs to have. And I think when we start having to talk about the differences between sexual assault and sexual harassment and unwanted groping, you are having the wrong conversation. You need to draw a line in the sand and say none of it is okay, none of it is acceptable, and we, as elected leaders, should absolutely be held to a higher standard, not a lower standard. Well, that's a wild switch from Kirsten Gillibrand, who five seconds ago was saying that basically Al Franken might stay, but Roy Moore should go, and President Trump's a sexual abuser, but not Al Franken. This is all this is all a wild shift. I will say that the logic that's used here, that we have to lump all of this activity together, is a little bit disturbing to me. I don't think that Harvey Weinstein should be lumped together with Al Franken, and I don't think that Al Franken should be lumped together with, like, Clarence Thomas, who apparently made a crude sexual remark to Anita, to Anita Hill one time, or was alleged to have done so. Uh, th this does not seem to me that all of these things should be grouped together or pose equivalent threats to careers. Uh, some of these activities are truly horrifying, and your career should be ended, and you should end up in jail. And some of these activities are bad. You're a creep, but I'm not sure that it rises to the level of the of the same outrage as a Harvey Weinstein, for example. In any case, what this is really about for Democrats, and we all know it, what this is really about is seizing the moral high ground. What Democrats truly want to do here is not push out Franken because they care about Franken, not push out John Conyers because they care about John Conyers. They want to push all these people out so that they can turn and swivel and hit Donald Trump and Roy Moore. So Senator Maisie Hirono, the Democrat of Hawaii, she came out yesterday and she said, you know, now that Franken's going, you know, it'd be really great is if Trump and Moore stepped aside. And they say what Al Franken did was wrong, but it's not even in the same ballpark. Why take this step? And why not also be calling for President Trump and, and Roy Moore to step aside? Well, I would love it if both of them stepped aside because I have said publicly that that President Trump has admitted to being a sexual predator, and as for Roy Moore, the credible allegations of him being a child molester, basically, uh, should cause both of them to look at themselves and step down. I would love it. But at the same time, you know, I'm looking for where are the Republican voices? Where is their outrage? In fact, on the opposite end, they're coming forward to support Roy Moore. How's that for totally inappropriate positions? So two things can be true at once. One, Democrats can be right to shove these people out the door, and Republicans should do the same with their own bad candidates. And two, this can be totally politically driven, because it is totally politically driven. I mean, there's no question about it. The fact is that the Democrats suffer zero repercussions for getting rid of Franken. The Democratic governor of Minnesota, Mark Dayton, is about to appoint his lieutenant governor. Uh, can't, her name escapes me for the moment. Um, but he's about to appoint her, a Democrat, to fill Franken's seat so Democrats don't lose a seat in the Senate. Forcing out John Conyers means nothing because some relative of John Conyers will fill that seat. It's very easy to take the moral high ground when it doesn't mean actually sacrificing anything. Anytime Democrats have to think about sacrificing something, they rally around the flag of the sexual abuser the same way that Republicans are currently rallying around the flags of alleged sexual abusers. So there's no question that there's a bunch of hypocrisy going on here uh, and a bunch of, uh, of political posturing. Bernie Sanders, another example, he came out yesterday, or this morning rather, and he said that Donald Trump and Roy Moore should both step down because Al Franken is going earlier this week. Bernie Sanders was literally running away from the cameras when he was asked about Al Franken. So what's happened here is that the Democrats waited until the Republican National Committee and Trump re-endorsed Moore, and they said, here's our chance to draw a contrast. Now, is that smart politics? Of course it's smart politics. Now they get to claim that they have the moral high ground. And Republicans, meanwhile, are shoving the moral high ground away from them as fast as humanly possible. I mean, they're, they're taking that moral high ground and they are running from it as fast as humanly possible. So much so, they are actually seeing Republicans now come out and start to defend Al Franken. So last night on Laura Ingram's show on Fox News, Newt Gingrich was talking with Ingram, and both Gingrich and Ingram were actually defending Al Franken because they understand what's happening next, right? Here, here's the logic. Well, we're not going to let Trump and Moore go until you get rid of Al Franken. The Democrats say, fine, we'll get rid of Al Franken. Then the Republicans say, well, hold on, hold up a second. Maybe you don't want to get rid of Al Franken. Maybe that's a bad idea to get rid of Al Franken. It's all political partisanship at its finest. Here's Gingrich with Ingram suddenly defending Al Franken, a guy who routinely grabs women by the butt in the middle of photo lines, apparently. Al Franken was a comedian. 
Comedians often do weird things. He was in the entertainment business. He was doing the kind of things people in the entertainment business do. Now, I have not, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see anything that they've said he's done since he was a senator. I don't think they've said... I've tried to lose track. I think there are no, a couple uh, allegations of inappropriate but, but, conduct, but, but the, I think it's minor stuff. I mean, I mean, the, but the point is, we're in, we're in one of those weird American moments when running around lynching people feels, feels so good. good. Yeah, it feels, feels good. good to them. I mean, if you go back and you read, you go back and watch the YouTube of Clarence Thomas. I was just going to say my old boss. Yeah, uh, you know how he felt. Explaining, you know, who by the way was wonderful and swore in Callista. Oh, great, uh, great moment, and you know, fellow Georgia and everything. Uh, but you go back and you look at what he said about an electronic lynching. And then you look at what we're saying. I mean, again, Conyers, Conyers had a lot of good reasons to retire, yep. but on the other hand, no hearings, no witnesses. No, there's no due process. If you're, if you're accused and you're a man, you're okay, accused. So, so here we are now, right? So here we are. We've got Laura Ingram and Newt Gingrich defending Al Franken. You think they're doing that because they really like Al Franken or they think Al Franken ought to get a fair shake? I mean, they were both calling for the prosecution of Hillary Clinton based on less evidence than Al Franken here. And Hillary Clinton, by the way, should have gone to jail. Okay, the idea that they are out defending Al Franken today, the only reason they're defending Al Franken is because they want to defend Roy Moore, obviously. That's what's going on here. And the Democrats are only throwing Al Franken under the bus because they want to get Roy Moore and Donald Trump. So understand, this is all a political game. Don't suddenly think that politicians grew moral spines. They didn't. Okay, I would be happy if they had, and maybe we can force them into doing so. But I don't really see the purpose of, uh, of pretending that there's no politics at work here at all, because that's just, that's just silly. Well, in a second, I want to play you what Al Franken actually had to say. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Birch Gold. So with the increasing uncertainty of the upcoming, uh, of the, of the upcoming events with, with disaster in the air, it seems, uh, on, on the foreign front with regard to North Korea, with the fact that the stock market uh, is, is at all-time highs, you can expect it to readjust at some point in the future. That's why you should at least be hedging your bets with some precious metals. And that's what Birch Gold is there for. Birch Gold Group has a long-standing track record of continued success, thousands of satisfied clients, countless five-star reviews, and A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can contact Birch Gold Group right now to request a free information kit on physical precious metals. The comprehensive 16-page kit reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings, how you can legally move your IRA or 401k out of risky stocks and bonds and into a precious metals IRA. To get that no-cost, no-obligation kit, go to birchgold.com slash ben. That's birchgold.com slash ben. Ask all your questions, get all your information, and then when you're ready, invest in precious metals. It's good to hedge your bets. It's, it's just worthwhile to have some of your portfolio in gold. I certainly do. And talk to my friends over at Birch Gold Group. They are trustworthy folks. And you can see I did an interview with them that you can view online as well. Okay, so uh, we do finally have tape of Al Franken. The fact that Democrats thought this guy was a viable 2020 contender tells you everything you need to know about the state of the Democratic Party. But here is Al Franken on the floor of the Senate resigning, but not before claiming that he's innocent and that he's being martyred. Nevertheless, today I am announcing that in the coming weeks, I will be resigning as a member of the United States Senate. I, of all people, am aware that there is some irony in the fact that I am leaving while a man who has bragged on tape about his history of sexual assault sits in the Oval Office, and a man who has repeatedly preyed on young girls campaigns for the Senate with the, with the full support of his party. Okay, and so that's the, that's the line the Democrats are going to use. So when you say this isn't political, of course it's political. Now, Franken were smart. If he had any sense of the moment, what he would do instead is he would do a full mea culpa, right? He'd get up there and instead of denying that the accuser, instead of saying the accusers are a bunch of terrible people who are lying about him and that he's a wounded innocent, he, he then went on to say, I'll be fine. You know, I was a comedian before this, I'll be fine. Everything will be fine. What he should have done if he were smart is he would have said, all of these women, I believe them, women deserve to be believed. I made a lot of mistakes. I apologize fulsomely for the mistakes that I've made. And in this new America, I hope to change for the better. And President Trump is evidence that the Republicans are not changing for the better. If I have to step down, as I should, then I call on President Trump to step down as well, right? He should have actually turned it into a rallying cry, but he's not smart enough to do that. He doesn't have the wherewithal to do that. If he'd done that, the media would have actually orgasmed. Like, people actually would have, would have experienced physical pleasure. And at that point, he could have run for president in 2020, but he doesn't have the brains to do that. As I say, the Republicans, meanwhile, are rushing to defend Roy Moore. And this is something that I think is, is both stupid and backwards. So there are a bunch of people saying, well, you know, 
the Democrats are only doing this for political reasons, so why should we cave? And there is this mentality on the right now that when the Democrats want something, you don't give it to them just because they, just because they want it, right? But you, you, that's not the case with Roy Moore, okay? There's this, there's this new mentality that I think has, has taken hold among a lot of Republicans, among some conservatives, that just because the Democrats don't want something, or just because the Democrats want something, you can't give it to them. That the Democrats, because they're political, everything that they say is false. That's not right, and it also leads you down a pretty dark road. And I think that you know Steve Bannon is sort of the avatar of this. I think Steve Bannon really helps make this sort of mentality come to fruition. Right? I talked a little bit about him yesterday with regard to what he was saying about Roy Moore and turning on Mitt Romney, and it is indicative of how a lot of Republicans are thinking right now, which is that Roy Moore must be innocent because the Democrats say he's guilty, that Roy Moore must be defended because the Democrats want him out. I don't see why you would surrender the moral high ground this way on a race that Republicans, you know, if they had thrown Moore out earlier or if Moore resigned, they would have won this race walking away. Even if Roy Jones or Doug Jones, the Democrat, were to win this seat, Republicans would be able to regain the seat in four years when it comes up again. It's a heavily red state. Um, but Instead, the Republicans seem to be pushing the high ground away with both hands, saying, listen, the Democrats got to play in the muck for a while. Now we're going to play in the muck. They don't understand. There's a different standard that applies to Republicans. There is, as there should be, because Republican—not not that there should be a different standard for Republicans, but the higher standard should apply to both Republicans and Democrats. And I don't see the Republicans recognizing that baseline reality. It is a baseline reality, by the way, that that, that, that is the case. Uh, you see that with, with, the, with the Republicans attacking Mitt Romney, right? St Stephen Bannon yesterday attacking Mitt Romney. And I just thought to myself, there is a strain of the Republican Party that now says the worse the person, the more we ought to support them. Uh, and I think that that's true among Democrats when it's politically beneficial for that to be the case. I think they'll get there too. And they'll use the polarization in politics as an excuse to get there. And Republicans aren't wrong that a lot rides on politics, that a lot is at stake. But they are wrong when they think that the way that they are going to win is by is by embracing the worst elements of their of their own of their own egos and their own ids. I just think that's that's a huge mistake. Now, with all that said, I understand why the frustration why, why there's so much frustration among Republicans. Why there's so much frustration that the Democrats have been getting away with this stuff for 20 years, and not just on the sexual assault front, but on the corruption front. I just this is a story that that sort of went unmentioned, but it's amazing. The New York Times has a report on the operation of the Consumer Protection Financial Bureau under the command of interim director Mick Mulvaney. And in the article is a real piece of news, that a group of bureaucrats have decided to hijack the CFPB as much as possible and operate in secret to defy Mulvaney. This is according to hotair.com. Here is what they actually said. Agency employees said they were scrutinizing every comment and memo from their new leader for hints about their future. Some employees, including a few of the bureau's top officials, have welcomed their new leader. Others, pointing to Mr. Mulvaney's earlier hostility toward the agency and its mission, are quietly resisting. One small group calls itself Dumbledore's Army according to two of the people who are familiar with their discussions. The name is a reference to a secret resistance force in the Harry Potter books. An atmosphere of intense anxiety has taken hold, several employees said. So, um, first of all, read another book. Not every reference has to be about Harry Potter. But second of all, there's an actual band of bureaucrats inside the CFPB trying to buck Trump and calling themselves Dumbledore's army. And then you wonder why Republicans are so frustrated that they, that they say, we need someone who's willing to break the rules to stop a bunch of people who are willing to break the rules. The, the frustration with partisan politics has driven both sides mad. And... If the standard can only be restored through hypocrisy, then better that the standard should be restored through the hypocrisy of going after Al Franken in order to get to Roy Moore than that the standard never be restored at all. Okay, so in other news, there's a lot of fallout over what's happening in Jerusalem right now. So the president of the United States yesterday made the announcement that Jerusalem was, in fact, to be recognized as the capital of Israel by the American government and that he would be working to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which makes perfect sense. Jerusalem is the eternal capital of the Jewish people, always was the capital of Israel, always will be the capital of Israel. Here is President Trump announcing that yesterday. After more than two decades of waivers, we are no closer to a lasting peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. It would be folly to assume that repeating the exact same formula would now produce a different or better result. Therefore, I have determined that it is time to officially recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. While previous presidents have made this a major campaign promise, they failed to deliver. Today, I am delivering. 
I've judged this course of action to be in the best interests of the United States of America and the pursuit of peace between Israel and the Palestinians. And he gets full marks for this. I mean, this is, a, this is a brave move by the President of the United States. And of course, the media, because they foster terrorism and they don't mind terrorism and they were fine with the Gaza war and they were rooting for Hamas, many of them, now they're turning on, on Trump and saying, well, it's because of this that there will be violence in the Middle East. You're right. The terrorist group Hamas, which is a terrorist group, they're really angry only over Jerusalem. They declared it a three days of rage. I love this. The media, oh my God, days of rage from the Palestinians, days of rage. Man, they wouldn't be enraged except for Trump. This is the fourth time the Palestinians, fourth, have declared a day of rage in the last eight months. Okay, since April, they've declared four days of rage. This is the last day of rage. Like, ever, is it a day and why? It's a day of rage in, in the West Bank and Gaza Strip, in Judea and Samaria and Gaza, right? The Palestinians are constantly pushing days of rage. Why? Because the leadership is corrupt, because the leadership are a bunch of terrorists, because the population voted for that leadership, and because the leadership knows that if they attack Israel, they don't actually have to provide anything to their own citizens. And so the media coverage, which is treating this as like, it's panic time, it's the end of the world, it's all because of, it's all because of Trump. It's just nonsense. Okay, Hamas, 1988, this is their covenant, this is their founding document, quote, Israel, Judaism, and Jews challenge Islam and the Muslim people. May the cowards never sleep. PLO charter, this is the Palestinian Authority, right? This is Mahmoud Abbas's group, quote, the establishment of Israel is illegal and null and void. That was in 1964, before Israel even controlled the old city of Jerusalem, before they even controlled East Jerusalem, and they were calling for the destruction of Israel. But no, something, something has definitely changed. Abbas, by the way, made a speech yesterday where he, quote, noted long Christian and Muslim history in Jerusalem makes no mention of Jewish history there. Quote, it's an attempt to change our history and it will not succeed. It's a Palestinian city, an Arab city, a Christian city, and a Muslim city. Okay, so it's not the Jews not recognizing that, Islam, that the Muslims have connections to, to Jerusalem. We're, I mean, it's the Jews, we Jews, and Israelis in particular, who have acknowledged that holy sites should remain open. But the fact that, you, but, but the, fact that the, the Muslim population over there doesn't want Jewish sites to remain open, that, as I talked about yesterday, when the Muslims controlled Jerusalem, they refused to allow access to holy sites to Jews and actually started riots if Jews brought so much as a folding chair for the ill and the infirm to pray at the Western Wall. You know, and, and now the media is blaming Trump for acknowledging a reality? It's just insipid. And because of that, because of that, you're going to get more terrorism because the, the terrorists know. It, it, it's funny. The same people who will say, let's not name mass shooters. We can't name mass shooters. So if we name mass shooters, it's glorifying the mass shootings. There's some merit to that. The idea that they are going to go out there and, and go out in the middle of, of the Gaza Strip or Judea and Samaria and put a camera on a bunch of people burning stuff and treat this as though it's Trump's fault, all that's doing is fostering terrorism. They're going to get people killed. The media's, the media's attempts to create a massive conflagration out of this, it's just going to encourage terrorists to be terrorists. This is what the media do. It's, it's really despicable. And this has some far-ranging ramifications outside of Israel, by the way. We'll talk about those, plus Bibi Netanyahu's response in just a second. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at filterby.com. So right now in California, we are experiencing wildfire season. When I say we're experiencing wildfire season, I mean it was smoky in the office yesterday. I mean there was a giant, there was a giant wildfire not 15 minutes from here, and there was another giant wildfire not 20 minutes from my house. I mean, it was it, just the wildfires are raging out of control here in California. That means there's a lot of ash and dust in the air. Well, now would be a good time for you to replace the filters in your house, folks. Uh, the fact is that you probably haven't thought about replacing the air filters in your house because that's not something you think about until three years too late. You open it up and there's black mold in there. That's why you need to go to filterby.com right now and get the best price on top quality air filters shipped within 24 hours, plus free shipping. Filterby.com. That's filterby.com. We spend 90% of our time indoors. And according to studies, the air your family breathes contains up to 100 times greater air pollution than the air outside, which is one of the reasons why you need good air filters. Filterby.com sends you the size you need within 24 hours, plus free shipping. Plus, you can even get on a schedule, so they send you all of the new filters as they as they come up. So you're changing your HVAC filter regularly. You can set it and forget it at filterby.com. And again, you save 5% when you sign up for auto delivery. So go to filterby.com, sign up for the auto delivery, and then you won't ever have to worry about when you check your filters again. When they arrive, you replace them. It's that simple, just like uh, you're replacing your toothbrush head or just like you'd be replacing any other regular product that arrives at your door. You're replacing your air filters. It's a great idea and you should engage. Filterby.com today. Make sure that you get the best price on top quality filters and sign up for the regular refresh so that they so that you get 5% off as well. Filterby.com. Check it out. Okay, so 
Bibi Netanyahu thanked President Trump for what Trump did yesterday, as well he should. Here was Netanyahu yesterday. The president's decision is an important step towards peace. For there is no peace that doesn't include Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. President Trump, thank you for today's historic decision to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. The Jewish people and the Jewish state will be forever grateful. Okay, and uh, that's exactly right. I was talking to some people who are in Jerusalem yesterday. Uh, they were ecstatic, as well they should be. Uh, and again, this is just a recognition of reality. It's not that something fundamentally has changed. If you aren't going to recognize the reality of, of how the world works, you're never going to be able to achieve peace. The media don't want to accept this, though. The media are trying to treat this as though this was some sort of crazy move by Trump, because Trump's a crazy man, and Trump's going to set the world afire. Let's be really clear about one thing. One of the things that's really ironic here, Saudi Arabia doesn't give a crap about Jerusalem. The Jordanians don't give a crap about Jerusalem. The Egyptians don't give a crap about Jerusalem. They're not going to back any Palestinian uprising against the Israelis. You know why? Because of Barack Obama. Not because of Trump. Because of Barack Obama. Because Barack Obama made Iran a regional power. And now Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and Egypt are all siding with Israel in an attempt to create a coalition to check Iranian growth in the region. So the Palestinians are on their own. So if you're lamenting the poor Palestinians being on their own against the big bad Israelis, talk to President Obama, not President Trump, because the fact is that coalition only exists on the back of President Obama's decision to make Iran a regional power. Pretty incredible stuff. But again, the media are, are stirring this stuff. They're stirring the pot. They did it during the Gaza war. I went on CNN. I said that if, if Hamas could have created a news network, it would look a lot like CNN. You can go back and look at the tape. Uh, and the reason I said that is because CNN always covers these these conflagrations, not as a bunch of terrorists who have decided to murder Jews in a, as an excuse for media attention and an attempt to pressure Israel, but they treat it as a spontaneous outbursting of rage. It's not spontaneous, folks. Nothing happened yesterday. That means it's an organized effort. Okay, apparently, there's basic lockdown in the city of Jerusalem right now. Jews have been told to stay home, stay indoors, not take public transportation because of the fears of terrorism. Again, the Israelis have been pressured into many concessions, including the full withdrawal of Jews from the Gaza Strip, making it completely Judenrein. They pulled out 6,000 Jews from their homes in the Gaza Strip. There was not one riot. There was not one killing from the Jews. Jerusalem has just declared the capital of Israel by the United States. It has been forever the capital of Israel. And the Palestinians are using that as an excuse to riot. But again, it's just an excuse. They rioted earlier this year when three Palestinians stabbed someone to death and, and tried to shoot some people up on the Temple Mount, and the Israelis installed metal detectors. There were riots in Jerusalem over metal detectors. So as I say, basically, day ending in why Palestinians are going to riot, and the media is going to treat it as though they have a legit excuse to do so, because they really despise the Israelis, uh, and they despise the Israeli government led by Bibi Netanyahu. Chris Matthews is one element of this. So here's Chris Matthews. Oh, I was going to say, God comes out a show. Doesn't know anything about Israel, doesn't know anything about Christians, but, you know, the, the reason Trump did this is because Jesus. That's why, because of Jesus. Go. And a couple more points in Alabama. Don't think this isn't related to Alabama next week. It is related, because it's the Christian evangelicals down there with their crazy ideas about Israel, which is, I don't know, mythical. They don't understand the situation over there and how tricky it is ethnically and tribally. They don't care, because it's a religious belief. Trump's playing to that this week. You Boy. watch him. Okay, so it's all about the crazy evangelicals with their crazy beliefs. You mean the crazed Judeo-Christian beliefs that undergird all of Western civilization? Would that be those beliefs? Or is he talking about this myth that all evangelical Christians want all the Jews to go back to Israel so that Armageddon will come and Jesus will return? Because that's a very small minority of evangelical Christians. I've spent a lot more time with evangelical Christians than Chris Matthews has, and he is just ignorant. He's just ignorant. I talk with evangelical Christians all the time. The reason they support Israel is because they believe that they are the branch of which Israel was the root. That Israel is the root, the people of Israel were the root, God's promise to Israel was the root, of the, and they are the branch from the same tree, and they believe that the, that the Jews are God's chosen people, and they don't just believe that because they want Armageddon to come. That's a tiny minority of evangelical Christians. Like, when I say tiny, I mean minute, infinitesimal. Okay, if you want to see the level of support for Israel from people like Pastor John Hagee, for example, and Kufi, the Christians United for Israel, they're not doing that because they think that Jesus is going to come back and they're going to get raptured up to heaven, and that's why they're doing this. But Chris Matthews has to slander all of the people who support Israel among the Christians in, in the United States because the left really despises Israel. This is one area where it's, it's become increasingly partisan, and it's really sad. The fact is that 90 nothing, 90, you're seeing people like Dianne Feinstein come out and say, it's just terrible that Trump did this. 90 nothing, including Dianne Feinstein's vote, they voted in June to say that Jerusalem was the undivided capital of Israel. That's what they voted in June. Okay, it was like a few months ago. 
And now they're coming out and saying it's the end of the world that Trump announced all of this. And then, of course, you have media flacks like Fareed Zachariah on CNN saying that Trump isn't really siding with Israel. You see, when Trump declares that the Israeli capital, Jerusalem, is the Israeli capital, Jerusalem, and that the eternal capital of the Jewish people is the eternal capital of the Jewish people, he's not really siding with Israel. He's just siding with Netanyahu and the Israeli government. Israel doesn't need, you know, the United States as an ally anymore in the sense that they are the most powerful force on the ground by far. Israel is sort of a regional superpower. And compared to the Palestinians, the disproportion is now just gigantic. What they need is for the United States to have credibility with the Palestinians so that there can be a meaningful negotiation. If, if the United States is seen as blatantly one-sided, uh, it doesn't help. And by the way, this is an issue on which the United States would be siding not with Israel, um, but with the current Israeli government. Okay, this is absolute sheer un unmitigated nonsense. The Labor Party, okay, the, the left of Israeli politics, supports President Trump's decision on this. The left likes President Trump's decision on this in Israel. When Fareed Zachariah says that we need that America needs to be seen as an honest broker in order to broker a peace, that's not true. Okay, the, the, the United States should be throwing its weight on the side of the of the people who actually are in favor of liberty. Why should there be another terror state in the region? If there's going to be peace, the Palestinian Authority has to go. Hamas has to go. Islamic Jihad has to go. And what you need instead is something like a regular liberal government. Okay, you can't just say that, that the United States should be an honest broker between al-Qaeda and the government of Pakistan. And you can't say that the, in, in, in a far worse way, you certainly can't say that the United States should be an honest broker between Israel and its terrorist enemies. It's just insipid. Okay, so meanwhile, in, in other news, I want to talk a little bit about some trends in American thinking, particularly among young people, because this is pretty crazy stuff. So there is a, uh, there's a, an article today about capitalism and how young Americans feel about capitalism from the Wall Street Journal. And it, it is pretty stunning how few Americans, young Americans particularly, know what capitalism is. Uh, so there's an article that says that in a 2016 survey for Harvard University's Institute of Politics, 42% of younger Americans said they support capitalism. Only 19% identified themselves as capitalist. This is according to John Della Volpe, who's been polling millennials for 17 years. Right, 42% of young Americans said they support capitalism, which means 58% do not, and 19% identified themselves as capitalists. The reason that I think this is the case is because the Democrats, and Bernie Sanders in particular, have done a wonderful job of redefining capitalism away from its meeting, and Republicans have never discussed capitalism in moral terms. It's something I like talking about a lot. The reason that capitalism is a good is not just because it's more efficient and creates better products. It's because it says that the stuff you create, you get to keep. The stuff that you create, you get to keep, and no one can be the master of your time or labor. No one gets to enslave you just because they have needs. Right? You're, you, this is the John Locke view of capitalism. Right? John Locke's view of property ownership is that you combine your labor with the land, and that's why you have a right to land. The same thing holds true of capital. You combine your labor with capital. You combine, you combine your input with capital, your investment knowledge with capital, and now that is your money. And the idea that anyone can take that money away from you just because they want the money for their own purposes is morally obtuse. But people on the right don't talk about capitalism this way. Instead, what we'll say is, well, you know, capitalism is just sort of the best available system. And there's also this tendency, I think, to, to say, as, as many have said in the past, that did, you know, sort of two cheers for capitalism, that capitalism is the best possible system, but it doesn't tell you that you have to be moral. That's true. But when you're talking about economics, socialism doesn't tell you that you have to be moral either. There's nothing moral about socialism. And when you're talking about economic systems and why economic systems ought to be upheld, from a moral standpoint, you have to start from the basic notion that human beings have liberty, that individuals are guaranteed liberty, and they're all made in God's image, and we are all equal in our rights before God. That does not mean that we all get to steal stuff from one another. Right? Socialism is immoral. Capitalism is moral. But young people are never told that. Instead, what they see is greedy plutocrats who are combining with the government. And capitalism itself is slandered in the media. So every time there is a... a an actual greedy plutocrat who makes a deal with the government, anytime Wall Street gets rich off an insider crony deal with Congress, instead of people responding by saying that's not capitalism, even the right will call it crony capitalism. Crony capitalism is not a real term. Crony capitalism is the reverse of capitalism. It's actually called corporatism. There is no reason to describe anything as crony capitalism because capitalism is about the free investment and exchange of goods. But the right never describes capitalism that way, and so young people don't know any better, and so they end up in this sort of weird spot where they think capitalism is bad. But it's not just ignorance on that. There's a Pew poll that came out yesterday 
that really is quite astonishing in uh, in its ramifications. So this is uh, this is what the poll shows. It's assessments on whether life is better or worse than it was 50 years ago, and it shows how, what people think in various countries. So the very bottom of the list, of course, is Venezuela, where people are eating dogs. But the very top of the list is Vietnam, where they say 88% say it's better than it was 50 years ago. That makes sense. In 1967. We're in the middle of the Vietnam War, so things were pretty bad at that point. And the Viet Cong took over, and that was pretty bad, too. Vietnam has opened up a fair bit since then. Uh, India is number two on the list of places that are better off than they were 50 years ago. These are obviously countries uh, that understand that, that economic development matters, right? South Korea, Japan, Germany, Turkey. Uh, Turkey is an interesting one because uh, 50 I'm not sure, honest, to, to be honest with you, where Turkey was 50 years ago, but in recent years, they've obviously slid. And then you have the Netherlands, Sweden, Poland, Spain, right? a lot of countries that are from the former Soviet bloc. So where is the United States here? Where is the United States when it comes to, are people better off or worse off than they were 50 years ago? This is an amazing statistic. Only 37% of Americans say that Americans are better off today than they were 50 years ago. 41% of Americans say that they are worse off than they were 50 years ago. 50 years ago, in 1967, in the middle of riots in the United States, in the middle of the Vietnam War, with economic development that, you know, having a car was, was having a nice car was still a luxury, you know, where you didn't have the internet, you didn't have, the, the houses were smaller, air conditioning was still not universal, central air, central heating, right? They, 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 there weren't such a thing as computers. The living standard in the United States is so much higher than it was in 1967, and yet Americans believe that this is not the case, that they, are, they were better off then. And this is one of the problems, I think, in American politics right now. There's this sort of nostalgia for a better time. There was no better time. I've said this before. You are living in the best time in history. Okay, this is the better time. When people say, when do you wish you had lived? Right now. You know why? Because I can connect with any piece of information on the planet at any time of night or day. I can go to the grocery store and I can get any delicacy I want from anywhere on planet Earth. I can live in a bigger house if I can pay for it, and I can pay for it. Right? This is one of the beautiful things about living in the United States. Things have gotten incredibly better, but people refuse to recognize this. And so instead, you end up with this weird perception that things have gotten worse. And if you think things have gotten worse, you end up in desperate straits. Because if you think things are constantly getting bad, then every election, you're one step from the end of the country. Every election is the end of the road. You can't have a forward-looking view where you say, yeah, Obama was garbage. He was a bad president, if you're on the right. But guess what? The country didn't collapse. And that means that we can actually build a movement and move the country towards something even more glorious. Instead, every election becomes the be-all, end-all. You see the same thing from Democrats. We're one election from Armageddon. If you always think you're one election from Armageddon, you're actually bringing Armageddon closer. Talking about how Armageddon is right around the corner makes people act as though Armageddon is right around the corner. And if you act as though Armageddon is right around the corner, it probably is. By the way, life expectancy in the United States in 1967 at point of birth was 71 years. Today, life expectancy in the United States is 79 years. On that basis alone, life is significantly better in the United States than it was 50 years ago. I mean, especially for minorities. Are you kidding me? Like, black people in 1967 versus black people in 2017? Are you out of your mind to think that things were better in 1967? There were literal race riots in Detroit in 1967. Right? You really, if you were gay in 1967, you better off now or better in 1967? If you were Jewish? Like, this is all, it's, all, it's all nonsense. But, but unfortunately, we have a tendency to, to be pessimists about reality, and this leads us some, down some dark roads and toward a nostalgia on one side that says that we can rectify everything with big government, and a nostalgia on the other side that says that we have to freeze everything in place lest, the, lest we fall into the abyss. Okay, so I want to get some things I like and some things I hate, but first, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com. For $9.99 a month, you too can get your subscription at dailywire.com. When you do so, then you will get my, the rest of my show live on video. You'll get the rest of Andrew Clavin's show live on video, the rest of Michael Knowles' show live on video. Plus, you get to be part of my mailbag, which is happening tomorrow. Should be an interesting mailbag. And our fourth episode of The Conversation is coming up on Tuesday, December 12th at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, featuring yours truly. Subscribe today to be a part of The Conversation. Ask me which, ask me questions I will either answer or mock and then answer in the order they are entered into the live feed. My conversation will stream live on Ben Shapiro Facebook page, Daily Wire YouTube channel. It's free for everybody to watch. Only subscribers can ask questions. If you want to ask questions as a subscriber, log into our website, dailywire.com, and then head over to the conversation page to watch the live stream. After that, just start typing into the Daily Wire chat box. I'll answer questions as they come in for, yes, one entire hour. Once again, subscribe to get your questions answered by yours truly, Ben Shapiro, on Tuesday, December 12th, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Join the conversation. If you want the annual subscription, you get all of those things. Plus, you get this, the greatest Tumblr in all the world, Leftist Tears, hot or cold Tumblr. You'll enjoy every second of its ownership and use 
usage. So check that out. Plus, the annual subscription is cheaper than the monthly subscription, so that's good, too. Please subscribe later if you just want to listen. Subscribe later at YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Leave us a review. The reviews always help with the iTunes ranking, so please leave us a review if you haven't already. Uh, and, uh, and you know, uh, we always appreciate it. Uh, this is the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast in the nation. <laughs>
I'm, I'm trying to remember which college campus it is, at Concordia College, I believe. Uh, and they are now trying to withdraw funding. So they funded my event there, and now they're trying to withdraw funding. So that's very exciting. That's piece of college news number one. Piece of college news number two is that a sociology professor at the UC, University of California, Merced, told students that he wouldn't debate me, but he would enjoy ripping my arms out of the socket, like a Wookiee, apparently. Uh, so here, here, is, uh, here is a little bit of the audio that was uh, gotten a hold of by campus reform. I wouldn't debate him because being in the same room with that fool is putting this nonsense fascist ideology on equal footing with me, using my real degree to legitimize garbage politics that are at best nonsensical. I love this gladiator thing. In my world, words mean something. Gladiator, you should pass this around. While I won't debate this fool, why don't y'all set up some kind of MMA thing between me and him? <laughs> and then the winner can take those $40,000 and give them to whatever charity they want. Now I'm completely down for this charity, for this charity match. Oh, I'm completely down for that. Like, if y'all don't think I wouldn't enjoy ripping this full shoulder out of its socket, oh my God, y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. So he's a real, real intellectual here, ripping this fool's shoulder out of his socket. Uh, he sounds like somebody who I'd have a real tough time debating, mainly because I'm not sure that he speaks in, in full sentences. What a genius he is. I mean, and I love when he says he wants me to use my, my real degree to, to debate him. Um, dude, you're a sociology professor, okay? Real degree, I went to Harvard Law School. Like, shut up. It's just, it's absurd. And this notion that I'm going to go and have a physical fight with you, we have this thing here. It's called civilization. It's where we have debates, right? It's where we talk about things. But your response to an actual civilized debate is, you want to rip somebody's arm out of their socket? What fascist nonsense. This is the second professor I know of who suggested that we have a fight. I know everybody always wants to have fights with me. Like, I know, you, you think I'm not physically prepossessing, and you think that you can beat me up and all this kind of nonsense. You know what? I have more money than you. I can pay people to beat you up if I wanted to. I don't need to beat you up physically. Plus, I can defeat you intellectually anytime I choose. So, uh, of course, they revert back to their schoolyard bully nonsense that they've always been reverting to. Just, just what stupidity. Okay, so other things that I hate. How stupid are the American people about Star Wars? I just have to ask this, because there was a poll that came out yesterday, and I have to show you the results of this poll, okay? Classic, this is a poll from Morning Consult among 2,200 U.S. adults on the popularity of various figures from Star Wars. Now, not shockingly, none of the new Star Wars figures basically make the list. I'm shocked that Jyn Erso ends up so low, right? Jyn Erso ends up at 29%. She's the one from Rogue One. Okay, how is Jyn Erso at 29%, and Jar Jar Binks is at 37%. <laughs> Jar Jar frickin' Banks, right? Finn barely nudge, nudges out Jar Jar Banks. BB-8 barely nudges out Jar Jar Banks. Okay, that's amazing. That's incredible. Emperor Palpatine, by the way, only finishing at 31%? Emperor Palpatine's only at 31? Like, how is that possible? Darth Vader's only at 49%? It's a percentage that is a favorable impression of each character. But I'll tell you what the worst injustice here is, okay? The worst injustice, obviously, is that the people who are at the top of the list, okay, Leia is number one, fine. You know, men have a good impression of Leia, and so do women. That's cool. But Luke Skywalker is number two at 72%, and Han Solo is at 68%. Who are you people? What is wrong with you? Han Solo has less of a positive percentage than Luke Skywalker? I mean, even if you include the new movie, Luke Skywalker's been on an island doing nothing, staring at rocks for like 20 years. Luke Skywalker over, over Han Solo, just insane. Luke Skywalker over Obi-Wan Kenobi. Luke Skywalker should be down by, like, Jabba the Hutt. Luke Skywalker. Lando comes in at 43%. How does Lando finish beneath, beneath C-3PO or Anakin Skywalker? They actually separated out Anakin and Darth Vader. How does Anakin finish above Darth Vader? How? How is that a thing? You all go to hell. Have you even seen these movies? What's wrong with you people? Okay. Time for the big idea. So on Thursdays, we talk about a big idea that requires elucidation. And so today we'll talk about freedom of association. Freedom of association is not an actual stated constitutional right. It's pretty obvious that the Constitution means that you get to hang out with whoever you want to hang out with because freedom of speech and freedom of assembly both mean freedom of association, right? I get to say what I want, and the government can't control that. And I also get to, asso I get to assemble for petition and assemble in groups however I want. And the Supreme Court has found in cases like the NAACP versus Alabama in 1958 that the NAACP did not have to reveal to the Alabama Attorney General the names and addresses of NAACP members in the state because that would violate freedom of association. 
In 2000, the Supreme Court ruled that the Boy Scouts could revoke the membership of a former Eagle Scout when it found out that he was a, a gay rights activist because they said they have freedom of association. Freedom of association is vital because it seems to me that this should be applied to the business space as well. I get to associate with whom I want. I don't have to associate with anybody else. And I understand that there are lots of things that people do that are bad and of which you don't approve. And that historically speaking, there have been lots of people in the United States who have engaged in discriminatory practices against various members of the population. That does not mean the government gets to, for at least the federal government, does not get to come in and force you to cater to audiences that you don't want or to perform businesses with people you don't want. Now, this is an extreme version of the argument that is being made in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case. In that case, they're not even basing it on freedom of association. They're saying, I have freedom of speech. You can't force me to express a message. Right? I'm an artist. You can't force me to express a message, which is a very strong argument. I would go further. I would say you, you actually should be able to turn away people from your business even if you just don't like their face, right? You should be able to do that. Does that make you a jerk? Absolutely. Does it make you a bad person? Yes. Should you be able to do it? Yes, because that is true for every association, right? If I have a synagogue, I shouldn't be forced to admit a Christian to my synagogue. And if I have a, if I have a church, I shouldn't be forced to admit a Jew, right? The idea of freedom of association requires that we all act in, in society together and that we cultivate good people. But the idea the government has to force it down our throats, I think, is a big mistake. This became a big debate uh, during the 1964 Civil Rights Act, and there were a lot of people making exactly the argument I'm making. Barry Goldwater made this argument. Barry Goldwater was a civil rights activist, by the way, and people proclaimed that he was racist because he said that people have the right to choose with whom they do business, even if you don't like the choices that they make, and he was portrayed as some sort of evil racist for all of this. There is no principled argument for freedom of association if the government gets to decide with whom you associate. End of story. So... And that's the history of freedom of association in a nutshell. It should still apply. Unfortunately, it's a right that's been increasingly written out over time. We should re rewrite it back into the Constitution because if you don't like me, you shouldn't be forced to associate with me and vice versa. Okay, we will be back here tomorrow with all the latest and greatest. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Mathis Glover. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2017. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.